Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, standing with two fine groups, uh, one from West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia, from what I understand, and the other from Puyallup, near Seattle, Washington. Um, how's it going? It's going great. Excellent. What, you came in last Tuesday. What have you guys been doing? We have been doing uh, some annual labor at the church in Lehigh. And uh, we've been doing a vacation Bible school, uh, kids zone the last two days here, and uh, just seeing the sights and enjoying uh, ministering here for the Lord. And what church is that out in Lehigh? Uh, Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church, so they're out here. And uh, how did you know about Alpine? Uh, I grew up with Nathaniel okay. Wall, which is a pastor there. All right. And he invited us to come out. We came out two years ago, uh -huh. and then we came back this year. Uh, to help with the work here in, in uh, Lehigh. Excellent. Now hiding behind this large strong man is the Washington group. Is there anybody who'd like to step forward and speak for them or you all want to be shy? I guess, I, guess I can. Come forward. What's happening my friend? Well we're down for the uh, Manti Mormon Miracle Pageant and we're just sharing the gospel with uh, LDS people and anybody that's there. Very good. Yeah. How's it been? Well, we just got in to Manti today, so oh, okay. we came to the show first because that's most Well, important. that's a priority. That's right. Well, you're, <laughs> you're a wise man. Yeah. Uh, now, you've got to understand, there's some romances going on from what I understand. <laughs> there's some bromances going on. And there's a little bit of electricity even between the two groups now that they've come into the same little area. So you never know. Marriages, maybe. Children. I mean, we're looking at generations here. So it's great to have you guys. The uh, West Virginia group wants to say something. Washington group, join in if you'd like. One, two, three. We thought we had mountains till we got here. Excellent job. Thanks for being on the show, all you guys. We praise the true and living God for allowing us to be part of his ministry. May he be with you and us tonight. Sundays, we have a non-denominational church campus. 10 a.m. is milk, studying Matthew verse by verse. 2.30 is meat, going through the book of Romans. Show up, www.campus.com. Should have a graphic on your screen. Also on Sundays, AM 820, the truth replays Heart of the Matter from 1 to 2 p.m. You can tune in to AM 820, the truth, which is a great Christian radio station here in the Salt Lake Valley. Have you taken advantage of our summer special extravaganza? Uh, five tremendous products that separately sell for over 100 uh, bucks are yours for 50 uh, what products? First, we have I Was a Born Again Mormon, the first book that kind of started it all. Uh, that is there. And then we have If Then, If My Kingdom Was of This World, Then My Servants Would Fight. That's another short book. We have a great video called The Mormon President. It's a docudrama, a uh, full feature docudrama. Very good. We have a soundtrack from In His Words. Uh, these are 17 passages put to music and there it's good music and it helps you memorize the verses and then we have uh, our final book uh, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face which is available in Christian bookstores all over the nation but nevertheless it's still we think a great resource for you all of those five products available by going to www.hotm.tv and you can take advantage of the summer sales extravaganza have you noticed it? It's like nerve gas spreading over the uh, collective national consciousness. Um, what am I talking about? The ever-growing, smooth, refined, trimmed, and scrubbed, and shaved uh, Mormon agenda. I tried to pay attention to it this week, 
And what did I find? Well, Brandy Kay sent me a photo that was taken in San Diego at a San Diego Padres game. I think we can show that to you. Let's see if it comes up. This is a picture there, and that, it, that's at the Padres game. And up above, I think it, it says, somebody, somebody uh, of the fifth quorum of the 70 of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is throwing out tonight's first pitch. So, uh... I mean, really, uh, do they have the local pastor, you know, up there? I mean, is this something to kind of keep Mormonism in the face of everything? Is it to say, you know, I eat breakfast, I can play baseball, and I'm a Mormon? Uh, is it one of these uh, things? What is going on? Well, that was the first one that I, I got this week. And uh, then uh, somebody gave me this uh, Sports Illustrated. And on the cover of the Sports Illustrated, it shows a handsome young black man, a uh, black young man, and he's holding a basketball. And the byline says, the best high school basketball player since LeBron James is Jabari Parker. And then it says below it, but there's something more important to him than NBA stardom, his faith. And the whole article is about Jabari being a Mormon. So there's another part of the marketing machine of Mormonism uh, purveying into the culture. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see what Jabari's faith is. I mean, is it a, it's not faith in the Lord Jesus Christ saving him uh, by virtue of his uh, grace through faith. It, it, I, so I'd really like to, I haven't read the article, but I will. And then at the gym, believe it or not, I try to go, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm forced to look at this uh, bank of televisions up there, and I've witnessed these advertisements re-endorsing uh, the election of Senator Orrin Hatch. And so um, what do these ads say? This is what they say. It's Utah's time to lead. That's what the ads say. It's Utah's time to lead. What the helicopter does that mean? I mean... It's Utah's time to lead. Is Utah running for office? Uh, in some very distinct ways, it appears that it is. Uh, as we've said on this program since 2007, when any Mormon assumes any office of prominence, no matter what it is, Mormonism, in this case, AKA Utah, uh, wins. Does the popular media have any idea of how badly they are being used by the Mormon marketing machine. Perhaps more importantly, does the Christian Evangelical Collective understand who uh, is manipulating them? Who, and does the Christian Evangelical Collective understand that just 10 or 15 years ago, they unanimously labeled Mormonism a cult? And yet today, it's, you know, join hands, sing kumbaya, uh, keep watching, it's really getting interesting. Received an email that reads, Sean, I recently was wasting my time watching one of your phone interviews with a man named John who is supposedly an LDS high priest and a member of a bishopric. That interview was staged and any Latter-day Saint watching knows it. Your end goal is wicked, as are the means you employ to accomplish them. Does it trouble you that you deliberately lie it, uh, it was so ridiculous as to be laughable. No Latter-day Saint would or could be deceived by such an obvious fabrication. You really need to do more research if you intend to make the next staged interview believable. Let me say here and now, we have never, ever staged any call uh, guest 
scenario here on Heart of the Matter. The only two times we've staged anything was an April Fool's joke and when I pretended to be Thomas S. Monson. Those are the only two staged events. And uh, we let anyone and everyone on the air, as long as they meet the criteria of being a first time caller, uh, we don't need to stage calls. They come in, they are what they are, and John is what he is. In fact, the church headquarters called me personally, their PR department, and said stop letting him on the air because he doesn't represent our church. And I said, he does. He represents your church perfectly. And, and so we had that discussion about John and that caller. We're not afraid of any question, any caller ever. In fact, we welcome uh, LDS scholars. We welcome uh, members of their echelon, or higher echelon to come on the show. We have invited uh, Scott Gordon uh, of FAIRS, to, and we said we'll give you a full hour on this program, uninterrupted, with me not even in the building, to talk about Mormonism, how misunderstood it is. He won't take it. How come? Because they know uh, that they can't defend their claims of being Christian relative to their doctrines. And so they won't take official stances. They just keep backpedaling and backpedaling, hoping it will go away so that they can continue to take positions in the culture. It's, uh, again, an interesting time. Uh, when it does uh, take its position in the culture, by the way, we only have ourselves to blame. Speaking of staging things, a number of people have wondered if James, our guest last week on the program, uh, was set up just to prove a point that either he was in on the gag or that he had no idea what was going on and I kind of uh, blindsided him. Uh, not in the least. I was introduced uh, to James through an, a text. I called James and left a message as soon as I saw what his website said and said, I want to invite you to be on the show. He called me back and I revealed to him uh, exactly what I was doing and why, and James said he still wanted to be on the program because he wanted to be able to reach people. Um, and then there are people who are, uh, the show is really popular. We've had a lot of response, but we've had a couple people write and say, you know, you took advantage of a mentally ill man, and uh, another one said, I'm never gonna watch again because you took advantage of a mentally ill man. Uh, first of all, I'm of the opinion that the term men mentally uh, ill ought to be liberally applied to everyone. Uh, to some extent or another, mental illness, uh, I certainly am mentally ill, uh, depends on what's going on around me, and so are you, so don't kid yourself. Uh, it's a fallen world, and we're all subject to fluctuations in our uh, psyche, in our bodies, in our spirit, in our souls, but the presence of mental illness does not mean the opinions of those with it are not of interest or of value and that they should be ignored. For instance, should we not show paintings of Van Gogh or uh, Jackson Pollock uh, because they were mentally ill? Should we not, uh, should we get rid of all the writings? Well, probably of Nietzsche and Dickens and, uh, and Eugene O'Neill and Sil Sylvia Plath and Herman Hess, all of them mentally ill. Should Abraham Lincoln not have been allowed to give his Gettysburg address because Abraham Lincoln suffered immeasurably from tremendous bouts of depression. Um, so what is mentally ill anyway, you know? Uh, here's the point. Mental illness, present or not, was not the issue here. The issue here was I, I could have brought a person on here who said I'm a duck and really believed it. And, but that, the, the question was, how do we prove he was a duck or not? How do we prove if James' claims were true or not? That was the whole point. How can we tell whether James was speaking the truth? 
were there any differences at all between his claims and Joseph Smith's claims? Um, remember, James said that God is a woman, God is blue, and God's name is KK, C-A-E, C-A-E. And Joseph Smith said, God is a man, God once lived like we do, and he lives on a planet near Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. I mean, what's the difference? Joseph Smith also said these bones belong to an Indian warrior named Zelf, and another guy's name was Mahan Rai Moriankumar. If I had him on the show, he would sound just as crazy as James did. So, you know... Uh, and then on our website, some guy comes on of supreme intelligence and said, if you had had Jesus Christ on there, you wouldn't be able to tell he was any less sane or more sane than Joseph Smith. And I got to tell you, uh, this is where the parallels stop. And let me explain this and tell you why. The Messiah was foretold of and prophesied of for 1400 years before he was born on this earth by real people in real time in real historical places. And then uh, when the promised Messiah was born, he experienced all that was prophesied of him for that time. And uh, he even experienced death as that was prophesied that he would be hung on a tree and died. And then he rose from the grave uh, after three days in the tomb, uh, which was prophesied. And then 12 humble men dedicated their lives without pay, with nothing but suffering, by being martyred as witnesses of his resurrection. A very big difference between James or Joseph Smith or Duckman or whoever you want it to be. Do you see the differences between all that? All right, uh, regarding James and Joseph, I just want to say one more thing, James of last week. Donna, a viewer, wrote, quote, I have been the loving guardian of my 55-year-old brother since 1982. With an IQ of 161, my brother has the demeanor of one raised in an educated and privileged environment. He is articulate and impressive as he expresses his political and religious views. His writings, revelations, and prophecies are clear, consistent, erudite. He believes he is Jesus Christ and has been institutionalized and institutionalized schizophrenic for 30 years. I have always thought it was interesting that there's little difference in the validity of his writings, beliefs, and teachings and those of Joseph Smith's. Yet my brother is on major psychotropic drugs, is legally insane, and completely bonkers. Makes you wonder. It makes you think. You should be thinking. Think before you die. Think. Because that is what's going to help you see the facade and the uh, uh, charade that has been played upon you. How about a moment from the word? We're still in John chapter 8, which is the chapter obviously full of great passages in the Mormon Christian debate. Tonight, let's look at something Jesus said to a group of Jews who believed on him as he spoke to them. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In other words, he's saying, you guys have believed on what I've told you. If you continue to accept my teachings, you will be my disciples indeed. Listen, and he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When we get to John chapter 14, we're going to read another passage. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Taking these passages together, we can stand on the fact 
that to know Jesus, who is the truth, uh, means to be set free. Set free from what? I would suggest that knowing Jesus sets people free from everything. Uh, from sin, from hell, from religion, from the manipulations of men and women, from anything that holds people captive, drugs, sex, whatever it is. Uh, it frees you from tithing. It frees you from Sabbath days. It frees you from wearing monkey suits and going to temples. And Jesus, the truth, sets all men free. So I have to ask you, have you been set free? Are you set free in him? You want to go to the Mormon church? Go ahead, go to the Mormon church. I would hope you wouldn't, but if you do, go ahead. But have you been set free? Are you able to walk in there and walk out of there and not feel like you are under guilt and under law and, and in prison and in bondage somehow? Uh, are you free to love everyone? Are you free from pride? Are you free from looking at someone else, maybe someone you look down on and thinking you're superior to them? Jesus helps you do that. I want you to know, having been an active member of the LDS Church for 40 years, that true freedom is not available in it or through it. God has far, far more waiting for any and all who uh, become his disciples indeed. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the people in this uh, live audience tonight, the reasons they're here, what they're involved in. We pray your abundant blessings upon them. We pray you'll uh, send your spirit to be with those who are seeking for truth. We pray for those who are involved in the program tonight. We're having some, some technical growing pains. And so we pray that you will be with everybody involved. And, and, and for those who really want to know you, Lord, we pray you will open eyes and ears. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're working our way through the book of Mormonian whose author said it was the most correct book on the face of this earth, and a man would draw closer to God by reading it than any other book. I have one more autobiographical or one biographical element to cover about Joseph Smith, including some of his life in the Book of Mormon, but because of some research problems I've had this week, I I'm not going to be able to present that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a stroll through the Book of Mormon and look at some other issues. Here's the deal, and we've said this before. It's a known and accepted fact that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon by looking into a hat at a stone, okay? One of the witnesses to the Golden Plates, David Whitmer, said this about how Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. This is how it was done. Ready? Joseph Smith would put the seer stone in a hat and put his face in the hat, drawing it closely around his face to exclude the light, and in the darkness, the spiritual light would shine. A piece of something resembling parchment would appear, and on that appeared the writing. One character at a time would appear, and under it was the, the interpretation of it in English. Brother Joseph would read off the English to Oliver Cowdery, who was his principal scribe, and when it was written down and repeated back, excuse, back to Brother Joseph to see if it was correct, it would then disappear and another character with the interpretation in English would appear. So you understand, just to rephrase, he puts his head in, a piece of parchment shows up and he looks on it and there's a character and below it is the English interpretation. This is all coming from God. Joseph reads the English interpretation. Oliver Cowdery writes it down. He reads it back to Joseph Smith. Joseph says that is correct. 
and or or whatever that's not correct if it's incorrect this line on the parchment stays in the english if it's correct the line disappears and another character and interpretation comes up that is how it was done if you don't believe me go to utlm.org do your research i don't make this stuff up prove me wrong okay so then lds prophet joseph fielding smith said in answer to gospel questions uh page 200 the following about changes in the Book of Mormon and in the text. He said this, a careful check of the list of changes submitted by critics shows there is not one change or addition that is not in full harmony with the original text. Changes have been made in punctuation and a few other minor matters that needed correction but never has any alteration or addition changed a single original thought, end quote. Now, in and of itself, the statement is problematic because there should be no changes necessary at all if the words wouldn't leave the parchment in Joseph's hat until it was recorded properly by Oliver Cowdery. It should be a word-perfect document from God to paper. Um, so let's work our way through the onion tonight and point out some of the changes, not grammatical, uh, that have occurred in the Book of Mormon from the first edition to the edition that we have today. I want to stay, uh, thank Steve Conley for his fantastic summary and helping me gather these facts together tonight. You ready? All right, I'm going to start from the outside of the book. First of all, it was called the Book of Mormon. That in, uh, when I was on my Mormon mission, they changed that to Book of Mormon, Another Testament of Christ. There was one change, okay? I don't know why. I mean, I guess God, God knew it needed to be added later, but that was changed. And um, then in the introductory page, uh, uh, which was supposedly received by Revelation, it used to read until not long ago that the Lamanites are, quote, the principal ancestors of the American Indians, end quote. That used to be there. The Lamanites are the principal ancestors of the American Indians. And this was recently changed to read that the Lamanites are, quote, among the ancestors of the American Indians. Simple change happened about a couple years ago. Why? Three letters, D-N-A. And so they've changed that. That was part of the record, but that was changed. Of course, the title page was altered. We've talked about that. Let's look at some of the others. You tell me if you think these things that were altered weren't material or not. All right, so we're gonna bring them up to you and show you them on the screen. And one by one, let's do the first one. First Nephi 11.1 read, used to read, upon which I never before sat my foot. <laughs> and it was changed to later, upon which I've never had before set my foot. Now I realize that's no big deal. That's just, you know, but if it came from directly from God, there's something wrong there. Maybe God got confused when he had the parchment stuff show up. First Nephi 11:18 read, listen to this, the virgin which thou seest is the mother of God. That was changed to the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the son of God. Now that's a big difference. It's not to Christians, but it is in Mormon theology to make that change. First Nephi 11:32 read in the original the everlasting God, comma, was judged of the world. It was changed to the son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. How come? 
The reason is, is because as Joseph Smith's theology continued to morph out of control, Jesus became a created being. He stopped being the everlasting God that the Book of Mormon taught him to be. And by the time the Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price came out and Joseph was getting King Follett discourse revelations, Jesus was no longer the eternal God. He was now just the incarnate uh, Son of God. And so it changed. 1 Nephi 12:18 read, And Jesus Christ, which is the Lamb of God, was changed to, and the Messiah, who is the Lamb of God. We've talked about the Greek, and someone caught on to that, and they changed that there. 1 Nephi 13:32 used to read, The Gentiles shall forever remain in that awful state of woundedness. It was changed to that awful state of blindness. All right, but it was a change. 1 Nephi 13.40 read, this is a good one, The Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. That is a significant line. But later it was changed to, The Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. Added throughout to go with Joseph Smith morphed teachings on who Jesus was as his mind became more and more uh, twisted. In 1 Nephi 21, these words were added to the text. They, they just came out of nowhere. And it's, or out of the waters of baptism. It just suddenly popped out right there. N never appearing in the original straight from God text. 2 Nephi 12:9 read, The mean man boweth down. It was later changed to the mean man boweth not down. Now, <laughs> that is a completely opposite picture. But, you know, nevertheless... In 1981, 2 Nephi 36 was changed from reading, and this is a very important one. This was in 1981 that it was changed. It used to say, they shall be a white and delightsome people, to they shall be a pure and delightsome people. Did you hear that, Gladys Knight? Do you understand what they did there? Did you hear that, Jabari? Yo, Jabari, did you pick that one up? Have you ever looked into this religion that means so much to you? That's controlled your life. I can't take, take it. This is big. Messiah 21:28. it used to read, King Benjamin had a gift from God. It was changed to King Messiah had a gift from God. Alma 5:48 read, the son of the only begotten of the father. That would mean Jesus Christ's son, God's grandson, if you read that right. The son of the only begotten of the father. That was changed to the son of the son, quote, the only begotten of the Father. The phrase in Alma 29.4, uh, which in the From God version reads, Yea, decreeth them decrees which are unalterable. That was removed altogether. Gone from the Book of Mormon. And where it, is, uh, where it used to say in Ether 4.1, And for this cause did King Benjamin keep them? It was changed to read, And for this cause did King Messiah keep them. Completely different people. These are just some of the changes the Book of Mormonian has undergone since it originally came from the pen of God uh, to Joseph's eyes, to Oliver's ears, to the first print. Next week we'll travel through and pick up some issues that are included in what I think is the most corrected book on the face of the earth. Let's open up the phone lines 801-973-8820. 
801-973-TV20. We would love to hear from any and all LDS on any topic they want to discuss. We want first time callers, unless you're John from O'Fallon, Illinois. He's always welcome. Uh, our ability to uh, do the program, produce books, uh, maintain the website, send out information, counsel and meet with people, pull people out of Mormonism into a saving relationship with the true and living God, uh, even Jesus Christ, is directly related to you and your support. And that support, primarily, most importantly, uh, are your prayers. And I say that uh, seriously. If you can uh, do anything else, pray for us that we'll be able to reach people in these very unique times uh, in the Mormon Christian debate. And pray for us that uh, I'll stay out of trouble and uh, that uh, the staff and volunteers will be safe. And if led by God to volunteer or do anything else, we welcome it. Uh, we love and appreciate you guys. While, the operator, while we wait on the operators, uh, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. How about some emails? Hello, Sean. I'm a big fan of the show, but I just have a few concerns I'd like to express. I'm not a Mormon, but I live among them. They have tried to get me to church time after time, but I'm simply not interested. I will say, though, that they are some of the nicest people I know, and I'm sure you'd agree. The difference I notice with them, he writes, and with you is that they simply invite rather than attack. Their missionaries invite me rather than tear me apart which is what I feel you do. I honestly feel that if you were to take uh, a different approach, you might have better success. When people are nice to you, you seem to listen to them more. I apologize if you feel like I'm calling you out, but I just thought I should tell you uh, what this is, and he closed his email. I want to say a couple things. First and foremost, Mormonism attacks Christianity and has from the get-go. They have 65,000 missionaries knocking on doors right now. And when they meet a Christian, they say, we want to share with you the fullness of the gospel. And in that presentation, they say, in 1820, Joseph Smith was a 14-year-old boy living in the state of New York. And God came down and he told Joseph, Joseph, all the churches are corrupt. Their, their professors, are, their mouths draw, are near, but their hearts are far from me. They're an abomination. Their creeds are an abomination. And they tell this story to people who have a good, solid building burgeoning relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they pull them from that and they get them into this system called Mormonism. So please don't say that they don't attack Christianity. If you go to Manti and you listen to the thing that's going on right now, they have a preacher and they attack Christianity in their play. If you go into a temple, when I used to go through, they had a, a pastor, a Protestant pastor come up and he was in the employ of Satan. So they're nice to you, you're saying. They're so nice to you. Well, let me ask you something. If you walk into a place that wants to sell you something, they really want to sell you something, are they nice to you or are they rude to you? They go trip over themselves to do a sales job on you. And when you meet a Latter-day Saint who is talking to you and trying to convince you, it's a sales job. I want to tell you, when that sales job changes, you ready? It will change. They're so nice to you, so nice to you. Join their church and then run into trouble with your money, run into problems with your life, uh, trip and fall all over yourself and don't be active anymore or talk against the church and you're going to see what happens with their niceness, all right? So you, what you're doing is you are seeing the sales pitch. Conversely, go into a place that doesn't care if you buy their product or not. They know they've got the best product on earth. They know it is tremendous and they know that everyone needs it. They don't need to give you a sales job. What they give you is the truth. 
And so they give it to you, and you're like, well, where's all the packaging and the niceness and, and love and blah, 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 and they don't do it because they know that Jesus is the one to do that for you so that you have a real relationship and not a relationship through a religion, all right? The second thing, is, or the third thing, is when you state that we might have better success if we adopt your, your suggestion here, uh, uh, how do you quantify that, first of all? Uh, uh, how about... Uh, one person coming out from Mormonism and coming to know the Lord because of the methods we use. Is that worth it? How about a thousand people? Does, is that worth it? What about 10,000 people who are throughout the U.S. and the world who watch the videos who have decided not to become a Mormon by virtue of or not listen to the missionaries? Would you call that success or do you have to de... How, how are you saying we could be more successful if we would adopt these ways that the Mormons and their marketing skills use? I recently received another email and we'll go to the phones uh, in just a second from another brother in the Lord. He chastised me for the way I went after a guy two weeks ago who wouldn't answer a yes or no question. And he chastised me and he used the scripture and he said, the fruit of the spirit, Sean, is blah, blah, blah. And, and, and to that thought, when people give that to you, I just want you to consider this. If you're walking along a road and there's a beautiful family in a house and it's at night and you look and that house is on fire and everybody in that family is inside asleep, does the fruit of the spirit tell you to gently and kindly say, come forth? Come forth, your house is on fire. Would you criticize me as a Christian because I talked to the people in that house saying, your house is on fire. Get out, I love you, I care about you. Do you realize you're gonna die if you stay in that burning house? Do you get the difference? The fruit of the spirit is the personal fruit that you experience and yes, you share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I am not saying, but when it comes to a television show that is in the state of Utah aimed at reaching people, I care enough that I'm impassioned. Derek points out to me, look, at if you didn't care, you would, you'd just be there like, you know, smoking a cigar. Hey, dude, how you doing? You're Mormon? Fine, baby. Go at it, you know. But I care too much. I'm talking, talking to you about a burning house. And that's why we're so impassioned about what we do. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, let's go to the phones. We are going to uh, Brent in Salt Lake City. Brent, you're on Heart of the Matter. Pastor McCraney, hi. What's up, man? Hey, I just wanted to point out something. The, they already got the Senate. Harry Reid runs the Senate. He's a Mormon. Keep yeah. going. They already have the Senate. So to get the White House, wow. That's two, two out of three. Right? You know, people have no idea what's coming down the pike. I, I, I'm just, I, and, and they think, oh no, it, it's not possible, it's not possible. I'm gonna tell you something. I said it last week. They're gonna use the evangelical vote to get their guys in office, and once they've got, secured that office, whoever that person might be to take it, um, you're gonna see Mormons step back and say, we are not Christian, we are Mormon. God was once a man. They said that they're not Christian. I know. Mr. W. Kimball said it. Uh, all those guys, Tanner, all those guys said, we are not Christians for years, but now they got somebody getting close to the throne. Uh, what I can't figure out is why do they want it. I mean, the country's broke. I mean, it's not for the money. <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to fix it, and they're good at fixing things. I mean, we can't delude ourselves. In terms of uh, somebody, a man or a woman who's Mormon running, uh, being a president, they're fantastic. They're going to have success. But it's not the kind of success that Jesus' kingdom wasn't of this world. He wasn't about that. He didn't run for office. He didn't, he didn't even do any of that. Christians have, have lost that in the past hundred years. Yeah, they have. They so have lost I hope that. we change it. 
I really do. I hope we change it and start saying, it's like look at that email you had, okay? Um, the guy wants you to be nicer to people. Isn't that what the Mormons are doing? Look at how nice we are. Yeah. We're in our little club, and we'll be nice to you, too. Yeah. Hey, I work in sales. In fact, I've met you twice. I saw you at Crown Burger, and, I don't and then eat I there. saw you at Walmart. Larry, I don't eat there. I promise. I'm always at Subway eating dog uh, food. You're, uh, you're going to be in trouble, dude. Burger one night. I'm just kidding you. Yeah, uh, they got good pastrami burgers. But anyway, we're off topic. Listen. Yeah, I'm agreeing with everything you say, Sean. I'm like, you know how I found out it wasn't right? How? I was reading, uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy, where it says, If there shall arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and show you a sign or a wonder, well, that's describing Smith. Amen. That's describing him to a T. It's like, wow, you should be the first to lay hands on him. Those are good passages in Deuteronomy about false prophets. Check them out, you guys. Brent, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks, Sean. It was good talking to you, man. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Listen, we mentioned it last week. It's already become a reality. We had someone send in these Joseph Smith, Joseph's Smith bumper stickers uh, available at uh, www.hotm.tv in the near, near future. So this is one that's going to go on uh, someone's car who I don't like. So that they, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're a nice novelty act, but it comes with a disclosure on the back that says we are not responsible for your car being keyed or beaten with a baseball bat. Uh, it would be great if every Christian in America put these on their car because I think that kind of pressure uh, really, really weighs on members and they, have, and, and they might even look and say, hey, maybe it was a myth. John in Arizona, uh, first time caller. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, what's up? What's up, John? Um, well, I just wanted to uh, call and maybe give a couple of comments. Well, first, um, I live in northern Arizona, and as most people know, um, you can't swing a cat by the tail without hitting a live Mormon around here. Um, and a as, a, as, as, a, um, as a staff member at a Christian rescue mission, I found that there is a high propensity for uh, Mormon believers to be extremely critical of other, Christ, uh, of, of other people who call themselves to be Christians but would choose not to read from their selected books. Yeah. The second thing I would like to add to that, well, it's more of a question, is how does a work of grace reveal itself in the soul of a person who has received it? Um, that's a great question. And uh, my best answer would be, in a couple ways. First, grace will reveal itself present in the soul of someone who's received it by virtue of uh, new sight. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a feeling. Sight is a sense, but it's not a feeling. Every, when, I, when I came to know the Lord and when I talk to other people who come to know the Lord, they say everything is new. Uh, I read the Bible and it's new to me. Nature looks new. So I would say there's one indicator. The second indicator is what John talks about, and that is love. When love is present, you love the brethren. We know by that that we are his, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So where I naturally would be very tempted to be uh, cantankerous with somebody, that's my nature, uh, I find love existing when dealing with my brethren and sisters in the Lord. And so that is a, another really good indicator because God is love, Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and it, you're not going to be perfect at it, and you'll fail, 
but you notice a drawing, you notice a love that God is drawing you as a new creature to change. Those are two of the, of the better uh, indicators, I think. Okay. Does that help, John? Yes, it does. Thank you very much, brother. Keep up the good work. Thank you for being a wonderful vessel for God, all right? Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, um, we have a question here. Why are so many troubled teen programs centered in the state of Utah? Uh, and he gives the uh, teen programs for porn-addicted teen boys, teens struggling with a variety of emotional issues, uh, camps for anxiety, low self-esteem, drug abuse, eating disorders, uh, wilderness therapy program for troubled teens, Discovery Academy for therapeutic boarding for troubled teens, Wilderness Therapy for Young Adults, and he gives all these different websites about how Utah is kind of like the uh, mecca of teen challenge type programs. And I have an opinion on it. It's, it's just my opinion. It's probably not true, but it's my opinion. Mormonism is a moral reformation group, similar to the Masons. And they want order and they want good community. And so they put a lot of time and effort toward youth programs. But it's an external application. Here are some rules. We're going to teach you to learn those rules. Learn to abide. Learn to obey, obey, obey. But it doesn't do anything for the heart. That was my problem. I, my heart wasn't changed. Outwardly, I didn't look at all like this. I looked really Mormon and I looked really nice. But inwardly, I was corrupt. I was, and I was dying inside and I knew it. And that's what led me to the Lord to say, help me, save me. So, so there's an outward pressure to, to have people conform because it's good for the community. That's one reason, and, and it's entirely uh, humanist, really. And, and that's what I would suggest Mormonism is. It's humanism using Jesus as a poster boy to help people believe it is it's a religion, similar to masonry. Uh, there's a culture of good living here. Ice cream parlors everywhere, and, and, and Disneyland, and fun, 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 and family home evening, and, and family vacations, and family trees, and there's treks and outings and road shows, and good clean fun, and dances, and stage plays, and performances, and just really good clean looking. It, I mean, it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. You know, everyone is just so, you know, and, and, and that's an outward impression. But Jesus, when he came, you know, think about it. He reached the absolute opposite people and he hung out with the absolute opposite people. And 1 Corinthians says the absolute opposite people receive him. It's not the, the, the really perfect ones. Why would they need God? Their whole life is flowing right. They got good jobs. They're, they're living well. They don't get cancer because they don't smoke. They don't drink coffee. They're, they're fit. So they don't call to Jesus, but the reprobates do, the foolish, the base, the, the despised. They are the ones who look for the Savior and say, help me, I can't make it in this world, you see? And so Jesus painted a picture of, of selflessness. Mormonism is about the self. It, that's why there's spires on all their temples, to make bad men good, good men better, higher, higher progress, eternally progressing toward godhood. I have a hundred wives, 10,000 children, now I can populate a world. It's more, more, more. Jesus says, no, it's less. It's about dying to the self, becoming a new man, being full of love. Jesus said, you, you lose your family for my sake, you're blessed. Jesus said, that the, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage. I'm not against families. I have one. I love them. I'm not against marriage. But Jesus said, let's put this in order. It's all reversed here. Family is first. Marriage is first. Church is first. Jesus is like, you know, a footnote, as we've always said. So the lowly, the meek, the poor, the sinful, 
uh, Mormonism is a culture club, and that's one of the reasons all these social programs proliferate from here, and that's another reason they might do well in uh, government, but not well spiritually, and that's the problem with the, the whole thing. Paul in California, first-time caller. Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, love your show. Thanks, man. I uh, just want to mention something. Uh, we got a candidate running for office, and, uh, you know, um, the LDS religion is really in the spotlight. And uh, something a lot of, uh, you know, the biggest point and the biggest crime the LDS church is committing is uh, bashing the Bible, saying it, that it's corrupted. And I don't think most Christians really know that's how the LDS feel about the Bible, because they won't say it to your face. No, they won't. What you get, they won't. And if you get behind closed doors, oh, then it's corrupted, it can't fully be trusted. I just wish that would really come to light in this election, because... If that really came to light, he, he wouldn't stand a chance in this election. And uh, just want to say, uh, God bless you and uh, love your show. Thanks so much, Paul. Really good point. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching. I pray it comes to light, too. But how do you bring something that is, they're a secret society in many ways. They talk their language only amongst themselves. When they're out among the public, it's all shining brass and, and kindness. But they don't trust the Bible. It's not translated correctly, and so he brings up a really good point. If the evangelicals knew that, I would hope they would say, we have to do something. Now, I don't know the solution politically. I have no opinion about what to do with the current situation. All I'm saying is we are at an impasse. Maybe the day will come. You know, like, remember you see those pictures of Christians standing in the Roman Colosseums being ready to be eaten by animals, and the Romans are laughing and stuff, and the Christians just stand there, and they get taken out. Maybe the time is going to come where the Christians say, no more parts of this world. Maybe no more politics. We can't do anything with it. We're going to focus our time on preaching Jesus as the solution. We're going to focus our resources, not on politics, but on preaching Jesus as the solution, and die with that. I would love to see that occur. I don't know that it will. Okay, listen, uh, next time you pay your tithing, you're going to notice something if you're Mormon. At the bottom of your tithing receipt, you used to have a bunch of options, uh, no longer. And uh, it will now say at the bottom of your form, though reasonable efforts will be made globally to use donations as designated, all donation become the church's property and will be used at the church's sole discretion to further the church's overall mission. Uh, just to let you know, the church, the church, the church. I wonder what they do with all that money. Besides build $5 billion malls filled with the most earthly, worldly uh, shops that you can't go in if you're wearing flip-flops or have a tattoo exposed or a Christian tract in your hand. Get ready for a theo... Uh, 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 theocracy. Get ready for theocracy because there's a little taste of it right there. All right, Paul in Salt Lake City. Um, Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Uh, I had a question. I'm having a hard time this past year. Uh, I'm trying to do the right thing. I believe in our Savior and believe Him and Him alone. And I keep on going back uh, the LDS Church because of the uh, the social part of it. Yeah, it's lonely, and then you live in a world of guilt because you know you're not you don't believe everything that's being said anymore in church. Yeah, and you stop going again, and then they draw you back in with home teachers, and 
I don't know how long you had to go through this, but it's exhausting, and I just wondered what your thoughts were. I went through it for quite a while, and most people you meet who are LDS, every now and then there are people who come to know the truth, and they're able to exit pretty strongly. Uh, Bishop Earl uh, exited pretty strongly, even though he was really tied in. Uh, his change was, was pretty, pretty, pretty straight. But most people, Paul, have difficulty because of family and friends and the pressures and stuff. But I want to tell you something. And, and you're going to have to take this on faith and you go to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. You will not ever go wrong, Paul, by choosing the Lord and His truth over the world's, over religions. Uh, if you make that stand and you tell the Lord, I'm not going to put have one river, uh, one foot in the river sticks and another river on land, another foot on land. I am going to put all my feet on the rock and I'm going to trust you. I promise you, Paul, don't trust me, but the Lord will take care of you and he will guide you and open you up and give you new vision, a new heart, and you'll be freed from those shackles. Right now, you're just going back like we all do, you know, but you can be free. Go to the Lord, take it to Him. Say, I am really struggling with this. Lord God, help me. And I promise you, He'll do it. All right. He did with me, Paul. He'll do it with you. Hey, thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, I want to address something here. And uh, this is from a pastor, and it's one of the best emails I have ever received from a pastor in this state. And what he says and what he suggests uh, I think is very important. Let me try to read it quickly. Thanks for the ministry. Uh, he goes on, he compliments the ministry. He compliments uh, Adams Road and Bishop Earl's uh, programs, making a big difference. And uh, as a pastor in Utah County, I wonder if I can ask for your help. We have a small situation. I believe you are the one who can address it directly. We, like many Wasatch Front churches, are experiencing an inflow of Mormons. Praise God. Praise God. Nearly all of them have been impacted by you, Bishop Earl and Adams Road. In fact, the influence of your three ministries is such that the Mormons in our ministries are intensely loyal to you and have made big adjustments in their lives to go to your studio, correspond, watch and listen to your shows, go regularly to your website, get your newsletter, and turn others on to you. I rejoice in their enthusiasm for the gospel to reach their culture. Their enthusiasm for your ministry is good and a little not good. That's why I'm asking for help. And I'm guessing other pastors may have a similar uh, thing to say. The first thing I see about our new ex-Mormons is that they are very loyal to the electronic church of Sean and Earl but not so fired up about developing a heart for the local church where they live and where they attend. Their eyes and energies are outward toward the LDS population and their ex-Mormon brothers and sisters, but they seem a bit unwilling to pitch in and enter a learning, serving, loving relationship with God's people in their own church body. Uh, and, I, and I understand his point. In short, they love you and your ministry a whole bunch. They would love to move into your basement and eat at your table which means they have very little love left over for the local church. The second thing is he goes and talks about them ha not having much of an interest in hearing the word and how the pastors are yearning to bring them up and teach them in the word and how difficult it is. And so is there something that, that we can say? And I want to say it now. I could not more emphatically uh, state my heart about people 
attending a church within their area and establishing roots with that pastor, being baptized by someone there, becoming a, a member there, helping there, volunteering there, donating their funds there. I support it wholeheartedly and I would petition anybody who has come out of Mormonism and thinks that they are gonna be fed by watching this program uh, after they've been born again, you're wrong. This program is an outreach to people who are seeking for truth. If, if, if we can entertain you along the way, if you've come out of Mormon, you're a Christian now and you like it, fine. But go to a church where that pastor has hands on with you and is there to love you and get into the word of God because I wanna tell you, the only way to get the garbage out is to put truth in. And that truth is the word of God and you've got to hear it taught and you've got to read it. Otherwise you are forever going to be held captive to the garbage that Mormon church put in you. And you'll forever be fighting against it and you'll forever be angry at them for what they've done to you and all the tithing you paid and all the times you went to the temple and you'll forever be in that mode when the Lord wants to take you from there, which is an understandable place for a period of time. But he wants you to then grow. He wants you to move into being a babe in Christ and then a teen in Christ and then a mature believer in Christ so you can be used to bring others out the same way. This is, this is what it is for. It is not for any cult group following. It's not for electronic church. It's not to, to do anything but to help people see the truth. So if you don't know the Lord, keep watching the show. If you're LDS and you believe it's true or you're searching, keep watching the show. But if you have come to understand who Jesus is and you've left Mormonism for that, get into a good Bible-believing church, please. And, and make friends with those people and realize that they're not gonna give you the sales presentation and that it's tougher sometimes, that they're pretty rough around the edges sometimes because they, they know they're saved and they know that the Lord loves them and so they don't need to put on a pretense for you like you find in your church. But you can bring stuff to that church so I petition you, and I know, I know Bishop Earlwood, and I know that Adams Roadwood, and I know Doris Hansenwood, I'm sure Sandra Tanner, and Bill McKeever, and, and uh, Marv Cowan, and anybody I've forgotten, they all want you to come out from this religion into a relationship and to fill the pews of the local churches. That is the idea. Do it. I, I pray for you. Now, uh, Johnny in Vermont has a mental illness and, oh wait, we got Jack on line what? We got three minutes, that's right, line two. Jack, you're on the air. Hi, Sean. Uh, Sean, I just finished reading the Old Testament, and I mean, it was just amazing. It's taken a few months to do. And one of the things that I really feel that the Lord, that makes him angry is people following false prophets. Huh. And the question I have, and I don't know if you can really totally answer this, but with so many LDS that's following false prophets, are they going to go to hell? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting and it's a real difficult question. People go to hell for not knowing Jesus, that he is the I am. That is the reason they go to hell. Uh, they don't go to hell for their sin. They don't go to hell for following a bad pastor. They go to hell for, for not knowing that Jesus is the I am. However, false prophets can lead a lot of people away from knowing that he is the I am. And so in that sense, you could say yes. If you're led astray and you believe in a different Jesus and you believe in a different gospel and you think it's through your works and, and all that, then you could say yes. 
it's interesting that Jesus warns often of, of false prophets. And how many churches have prophets who say, I'm the prophet? So it's really intriguing how that happens. So in one sense, I would say, yes, false prophets lead people to hell. And in another sense, I would say we go to hell for not knowing the Lord. Does that help? That helps. I know it's a, it's a tough, tough answer, but uh, it just seemed in, in the Old Testament, that just seemed that that made uh, God angry in, in almost anything that's, was, uh, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, that and idolatry. Very much, Sean. Absolutely. I agree with you. It's a really good point. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye. Great point, you know. And, you know, I want to point something out about uh, 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 following the false prophets. And, well, I can't even remember what I was going to say. Uh, we have, well, we've got one person left. Let's see if we can do it. Go ahead, Jeff. you got one minute. Jeff? Yeah, hey, Sean. Hey. Let me shut my TV off. Hey, uh, the Republican candidate, what are your feelings on him? Is he smart enough to not choose uh, a running mate that's Mormon because it'll outrage the people that he's pulling in all the cronies that will be Mormon in his cabinet and everything else that goes along with him? Or will he be smart enough to choose a non-Mormon? What are you thinking? Well, the problem is, Jeff, I can't comment on that. So I don't even know who that guy is. I don't follow politics at all. Uh, it could be a woman. It could be a man. All I know is that a Mormon, whoever she might be who takes that office, that Mormon, I can tell you, if they don't put somebody in, they seem like, oh, they're not choosing their own. They will find ways. The Mormon church will win when a Mormon takes office. Completely different than a Catholic. Completely, it's, it would be akin to a, a, a fundamentalist Muslim taking office. Same thing. So uh, we're out of time, Jeff. I'm sorry I couldn't comment directly on that, but uh, pray for the nation, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Uh, we're out of time. God bless you guys. Listen, go to him. Go into your room. Go into your closet. Say, Lord, I need you. I want prove this guy wrong, but you tell me, tell me what to do, where to go. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.